You're listening to a message from Highway Church from Debbie Amaral entitled The Kingdom of God. Enjoy. God is good. Amen. All the time. Let me begin by saying, like as I always do, thank you, Pastor Joseph, for the privilege of the pulpit. You know, I do not take this lightly. I say that all the time because it's a privilege, and I do not take this privilege lightly. So first of all, let me do some acknowledging here, okay? Facebook, hello, good morning. Miss Rosie from Michigan. Hi, my love. I'll be seeing you soon. Say hi to Rosie. I have family from Canada that is watching this morning. Hi, my Canadian family. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I have my landscaper here. Now, you, got, you, you guys remember the young man that came to visit us one summer at the theater? Um, what's his name? Luke, not Luke, Lucas, right, Jessica? Lucas Pavo? John Pavos. Jonas, 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 biblical, I'm going to say, well, Jonas' uncle is here. He's in the house today. Look at him. As well, his son, his son is here, and the daughter in love. She's here this morning, Kayla. And I want to also thank and acknowledge Vinnie and Linda from New Bedford. They're here today. And of course, I am so humbled humbled to have Mr. David and Mrs. Gay Morey. She ministered at uh, King's Grant in Middletown, Rhode Island. We were in the same church together. This is the number one best children's minister yes. right there. Yes, sir. I've never seen anything like it. She's amazing. So we go back a long time, she and I. I love her. She's my friend. Do you remember one time I think I ministered here and we went through a difficult time at the bakery? And then I got a word, two words from uh, people, you know, that God was going to give us an account in three days and then God was going to give us an account. Well, she was one of the persons that gave me that word. They come from accounts at places we never imagined. Right there. Okay, are we ready? Yeah. So this morning, I want to talk to you about a subject that has interested me for a long time, and it's really been on my heart lately. So I am endeavoring to teach this morning on the topic of the kingdom of God. And this is a subject that if you get a revelation, it will change your life. So I'm going to teach today. I'm not going to preach today. Don't pump me up. I want to teach today, okay? <laughs> So turn to the person on the side of you and say, you better listen up. <laughs> listen up. I've titled this message, Freedom in the Kingdom, with the subtitle, Enjoying Kingdom Provision, Prosperity, Health, and Wealth. Yes. Isn't that good? Yes. So Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you, Holy Spirit, you are here. You are among us, Lord. You're here to teach us and guide us. Lord, we are asking for eyes to see, ears to hear, Lord, what you have for us, not what's coming from me. I've got nothing to give, Lord, but you've got plenty. And we thank you that our eyes are being open and understanding is coming to us in regards to the kingdom of God. And we give you thanks and praise for it. Amen. Amen. So quite some time ago, I'm not going to tell you how long ago, but quite some time ago, I was in my bedroom one morning, and I was praying, I was reading the word, and God spoke to me. I don't know if I gave some of my scriptures, out, but um, you'll probably find some up there. And if you have, also, if you have your Bibles, when I say a verse, if you look it up, I'd like your eyes to, to read the word, and if you've got paper and pencil, take notes today, okay? And go back and listen to this message, because this is very... Um, foundational what I'm given today but it's important Matthew 13 11 he said to me the Lord spoke to me unto you has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom and he spoke that so strongly to me he said unto you it has been given to know the mysteries in the kingdom and I remember saying to the Lord Lord what are you saying what are your mysteries what are, what are your truths what are your secret what are you saying Lord as you all know that when Jesus was walking, right, in here and on earth in his earthly ministry, he spoke in parables, right? Yeah. 
Parables are short stories that, uh, that are told and uh, it, stories that people can relate to. But in that story, there is hidden a secret, a hidden truth. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So a parable is designed to hide a truth so that the listeners will discover it. All right. So one day the disciples were with Jesus and they said, why do you speak in parables? Why don't you just make it plain? Say what you mean. Make it clear. And he turned to them and said, unto you has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but not unto them. Hmm. Hmm. In essence, Jesus was telling them, I have hidden truths. They are not hidden from you, but they are for you. Okay. Then he told them several parables. He said, and one of, them, one of his parables was, the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field. A man finds that hidden treasure. He's so happy. He goes home. He sells all that he has to buy that field to get that treasure. Another time, Jesus said that the kingdom of God was like a pearl of great price. So the parables portray the kingdom as something very valuable, yes. okay? Right. Something worth selling everything you've got yep. to get it. That's right. That's right. So if that's the case, I think it's important that you and I seek and search out and discover the ways of the kingdom, the keys of the kingdom, amen? Because as we learn the truths, the principles, as we use the keys of the kingdom, are you ready for this? They unlock for us a way of living that we never dreamed possible. We never dreamed possible. Supernatural. That's why Jesus said, seek ye the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. He's saying, I have given you the keys. So I've spent many, many hours reading and meditating, seeking to learn more about the kingdom. And I was amazed to learn how many times Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God in the four gospels. Matthew 4.23, do we have that? It says that Jesus, Matthew 4.23 Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Hmm. Matthew 9.35, Jesus went about all the cities and villages preaching what? The gospel of the kingdom. So everywhere Jesus went, he was teaching and preaching the good news of the kingdom, and then he would demonstrate the kingdom by healing the sick, making the lame to walk, casting out de demons, right? Raising the dead, multiplying the bread and the fish. And you know what happened? When Jesus preached the kingdom and he demonstrated the kingdom, the multitudes, great multitudes began to follow him. Why? Because they loved what they were hearing and what they were witnessing and what they were experiencing, which is the same thing we hear every Sunday at Highway Church. See? They were experiencing kingdom way of living. Follow me now, please. They were experiencing kingdom way of living on earth. And they were so excited that they wanted Jesus to stay with them. Don't leave us, Jesus. You know what Jesus said in Luke 4, 43? He said, I must, that's strong words, I must preach the good news of the gospel of the kingdom to all the other cities because I was sent for this purpose. Amen. Mm, 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 that's right. And when Jesus commissioned his disciples to go out and preach, he said to them, preach the kingdom and demonstrate the kingdom because Jesus had only one primary message. He never preached on healing. He just healed. He never preached deliverance. He just delivered. He never taught seven steps to financial freedom. He just blessed. He said, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. He never taught on lack. He just multiplied the fish and the bread. 
Are you ready for this? You got your seatbelt on? Who is a defibrillator like you say all the time? He's a shocker. <laughs> you ready for this? <laughs> Jesus never preached you. You must be born again. Do you recall reading anywhere in the Bible where Jesus went about preaching? You've got to be born again. You want to go to heaven? You better be born again. You want to go to heaven? You better be born again. Get born again if you want to go to heaven. Do you read that anywhere in the Bible? Come on, talk to me, my family. Do you read that? No. Only one time Jesus spoke about being born again, and it was not even in public. It was a private conversation at night with the religious leader who didn't want to be seen with Jesus. His name was Nicodemus. That's where they get the Nick at night. You know the joke. <laughs> he said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do the miracles that you do. Watch this. It was the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the demonstration of the kingdom that brought Nic Nicodemus to Jesus. Church, when you and I Go out and demonstrate the kingdom to a lost and dying world out there. They will want to know the king of the kingdom. Yes. Amen. It's the miracles, the signs, the wonders that brought him to Jesus. And you know what Jesus said to him? My friend, you are a religious leader. You're a priest. You're a teacher of the law. And don't you know these things? Then Jesus gave him the born-again message. Because only by being born again can we enter into the kingdom of God and become its citizens and enjoy its benefits. Did you hear what I just said? Yes. Because I just said a mouthful. Yes, right. Okay? Uh -huh. Say yes, my love. <laughs> Jesus is the door into the kingdom. But there's so much more beyond the door. And many churches just focus and teach and preach on the door. And the people are not accessing all the kingdom benefits. Now listen, if I invite you to my home, I say to you, listen, I want you to come over for, for dinner. I've prepared this amazing banquet for you. And when you come over, guess what? The backyard, I've got a lot of gold and silver. Don't even bring a shovel. I got a shovel and you're going to dig for it. I've got plenty of gold and silver for you that you're going to take with you. And you wait until you come into my garage. Not only do I have that Mercedes Benz, I have loads of cars. You're going to leave with the car today after, you, you come, after we have dinner. Hallelujah. Amen. So you drive up into my driveway and you come up to the, my beautiful set of stairs and I got this beautiful ornate door there. You ring my doorbell, hi Debbie, hello sweet, come on in. Debbie, this door is amazing. I've never seen a door like this before, it's so beautiful. Yeah it is, come on in. But Debbie, this door, did you, did you have this handcrafted? Look at the raw iron on this door. Yeah, yeah, come on in. But Debbie, look at the threshold on this door. This is amazing. Listen, come on in. If you never get past the door, you're never going to access what I have for you. You know what I'm saying? Okay? And the reason why so many of us receive so little from God is because we do not have a good understanding of our rights, our privileges, and benefits as kingdom citizens. Say amen, Debbie. Amen. Say yes, Debbie. Yes. See, many are going around as paupers, they're beggars, they're sick, broke, busted, and disgusted. When all the while we are children of the king and heirs of everything he has. Come on, say something this morning. Isn't that the truth? But we got to get beyond the door. Now let me say something here also about being born again, okay? Because I believe being born again, the message is absolutely important. Yeah. Because as you know, without being born again, when we become born again, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live yeah. inside of us, okay? He comes to live inside of us, and that's awesome. But not only that, he reconnects us back to God. Yeah. Okay, and then we can have fellowship with the Father because our spirit man was dead because of what Adam did, right? So the Holy Spirit is awesome. 
okay? And he's got a wonderful work that he does in our lives and the fellowship that we have because we are children of the king, amen? And that makes us royalty, okay? But so when you become, when we become born again, it's like we are given a legal passport, if you will, okay? To enter into the kingdom of heaven. And being born again is the greatest miracle anyone can experience. Okay, so it's, it's, a, and it's the first step to a whole new way of living on earth. Amen. So you need to know that Jesus' driving force when he was here was not to get us into heaven. His driving force was to get heaven yes. into us. Yes. And when you understand this, it makes sense why Jesus taught his disciples, our Father, who art in heaven. His location is the key to our power, to our authority here on earth. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your and heaven, no. your will be done in heaven, no. your will be done on earth. What? Yes. Right. So what he is saying here is don't pray to go to heaven. Pray that heaven's culture, heaven's economy, heaven's government, heaven's healthcare system be done, be manifested here on earth. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. He's saying demonstrate the kingdom. Demonstrate it. Demonstrate his power. Demonstrate his authority. Demonstrate his power, his love, his compassion, his joy, his peace here on earth. You getting it? Amen? So wherever we go, family, we must see ourselves as children of the king as citizens of heaven and as ambassadors of the kingdom of God. That's a whole other message, but uh, that's a message I don't have time for today. Being ambassador of the kingdom of God is powerful, but we are called to affect and to make an impact and to influence by bringing heaven's culture to earth. Amen. Amen. Do you remember what happened sun was Sunday, uh, Easter Sunday? I think pastor was just about finishing the service and he began to pray. And he said, oh, I believe there's someone here that has a heart valve problem. Did he not say that? Did he not say that? And was there not a child here that got up and said it was him? How did he know that? That was revealed to him, right? The Holy Spirit revealed that to him. Right? So that and what's happening is that's what God wants to happen. The kingdom of heaven being brought here on earth to make a difference. Okay? Because we are supposed to be impacting and changing people's lives for the better. I like when one, one pastor says, we're not here to take sides. We're here to take over. Right? Right? Let's, you know, let's talk a minute about God's original plan for creating man. Because from the beginning of time, God wanted a personal relationship with man. He wanted a family. That's what, really did, what God wanted. He wanted a family. He wanted sons and daughters made in his image and in his likeness that would rule and reign on the earth. Amen. Psalm 115 verse 16 says, The heavens, even the heavens is the Lord, but the earth has he given to man. Why was the earth given to man? So we could have dominion. So man could rule it. And for us to really understand this, Okay, and understand the purpose and the plan. We've got to go back to the beginning. We've got to go back to the garden. Can you say, yeah, let's go, Debbie? Yeah. Do you want to go? Yeah. 
Okay, let's go back to where it all began because like I said this before, this message is actually Bible 101. It's rudimentary. I was going to bring a bib here this morning, really. Because I'm not, I wasn't going to serve what we call popish. You know what popish is in Portuguese? You like popish? Yeah. I'm not serving a popish today. We're going to have filet mignon. That's what we're going to have today, okay? We're going to have some good stuff here. So turn to the person on the side and say, wake up. It's not time to sleep. Say, pay attention. This is going to be good. Okay? Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. Not the Big Bang, God. Now, when God spoke, there could have been a Big Bang. I don't know. I wasn't there. But in the beginning, God. Amen? Genesis 1-3, God said, let there be light. Light was. He said, let there be stars in the firmament. Verse 21, Genesis 1-21. Let the waters bring forth fish and great fish after their kind. Can you say that? After their kind. Let every winged bird come forth after their kind. Verse 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures after cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth, wildlife. You're very weak. Verse 25. God made the wildlife of the earth the livestock, the creatures that crawl on the ground. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, verse 26, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, after our kind. After our kind. Because it's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit we're talking. Let's make man in our image, in our likeness, after Ah, kind. Amen. When God wanted fish, he spoke to the waters. When he wanted stars, he spoke to the firmament. When he wanted man, he spoke to himself. That's the God that we serve. Verse 26. Watch this. Let them. Who's them? Man, put in parentheses that let man rule the fish, the birds of the sky, the livestock, and all the earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his image. He created them in the image of God. He created them. You know, before I go on, you know, we just watched the movie Moby Dick. Do you know if those men, they all died, I think, for two, except for two? Do you know if they knew who they were and they, who they were? They would have had dominion over that big wheel. Moby Dick would have never kill them all. Come on, let's think. Of, you ready? All right, I won't go there. All right, you're not ready for that. All right, all right. To, to be continued some other day. Too much, Debbie. Too much, Debbie. Don't give us too much. All right, ready? So this creation was exactly like God. Male and female, he created them. Now watch this. Both are important and both are needed. Both are powerful. Man is not superior to woman. Say amen. amen. They're equal, but they're distinctively different. Woman is not less than men. Say amen, women. Because if you oppress her, you demoralize her, you lose part of the revelation of the nature of God. Okay? They were both created in his image and in his likeness. And I love what it says in Psalm 8. The psalmist David got a revelation of God's original purpose and plan. He says, oh Lord, my Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, right? He says, you, when I consider the works of your hands and the, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars, what's man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man, that you should visit him. Are you ready? For you have made man a little lower than, I know your Bible says angels, but if you look that up in the Hebrew, it's Elohim. Meaning God made man a little lower than himself. We are above the angels. That's powerful, isn't it? No, come on now. Just don't say yeah. This is not not to God. This is no, not to God. Mm -hmm. No, I don't want that. I wanted to really get into you. 
we got to get, th- this has got to get into us, that he made us a little lower than the angels. Amen? Amen. And he has crowned us. Why, you know what? That's why he loves us so much. We're always talking about the love of God here and how much he loves us. He loves us so much because we are, are not only like him, we are of him. Amen. We are of him. Yes. Isn't that powerful? And then he's crowned us with glory and with honor. He says, you know, he, you have made man to rule over the works of your hands. You've put everything under his feet. Oh, Lord, my Lord, he says, how excellent is your name. Because no other creature, no other creature was given that honor. No other creature was crowned with glory and honor. And no other creature was given territory to rule. This man and this woman was to represent and establish his invisible heavenly kingdom here in a physical, visible world. I said a lot there, but did you get what I'm trying to say? Okay. In a nutshell, man was supposed to make earth look like heaven. Say that. Man was supposed to make earth look like heaven. That's what God wanted. Man was supposed to rule and reign on earth under the Father's lordship. All right? Look again at verse 26. God said seven very powerful words there. Seven. Let them rule over all the earth. You should highlight that in your Bible. Underline it, circle it, do something with it. Because that's important. God does not say, let us rule. He says, let them rule. And then, are you ready for this? He takes this man and woman, and he places them in the garden, in the Middle East. Does that mean we're all Middle Easterners? If Adam is our great, 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 great grandfather? All right, I won't go there either. All right, all right, forget it. That's why Adam names all the animals. Why did Adam name all the animals? Because he was, the animals were under his authority. He was ruler. So, that's who man was. Ruler. Lower than God. Can you see yourself that way? God blesses him. God empowers him. And then he gives them a mandate and says, go out, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it. Start with this garden and then take it over. Because what was supposed to happen was Adam and Eve's offspring was now to multiply and take over all the earth. Are you following me? But guess what? Everything changed. Everything changed the day that the serpent approached the woman. You see, Satan was jealous of Adam and Eve. He despised them because they had everything that he wanted. See? He ha- they had the, Adam and Eve had the position, had the glory, had the authority, and the enemy set out to take their crown, the right to rule God's kingdom here on earth. And the only way he could do that was through deception. And you know the story. He tempts Eve to eat that forbidden fruit, she does. He comes to her, you know, has God said, God had said the day you eat from the tree, you surely die. Isn't that what God said? Yes. Now you have to remember, there were a lot of trees in that garden. They could have eaten from the tree from the knowledge of good and uh, evil, the, knowledge, the, the tree from the knowledge of life, the, t- the tree of life, but they chose not to. They chose not to. Instead, they chose to listen to the serpent and eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil because they had free will. Say that, they had free will. We don't read anywhere in the Bible where God came in and slapped their hands, did he? He didn't say, you don't do that. Why? Because, yeah, freedom. Freedom is right. Okay, he gave them the right to do what they wanted. See, and many people don't understand and they say things, why God doesn't stop what's going on in the earth? 
Why do these things happen? Why does God allow, you hear that one? Why does God allow so much suffering in, the, in this world? Why does God allow sickness to continue? Why does he let those little children suffer in Africa? Doesn't he care? Why doesn't God do something? Let me begin first by saying, God is not to blame. God is not to blame for the evil and the suffering going on in this earth. God is good. He's always good. Ready for this? Man has brought these things on themselves by their own selfishness and rebellious spirit. Okay? The things that you see going on in the earth today is man's fault, not God's fault. Okay? And this is powerful what I just said. Okay? Are you ready for this? Because man is controlling many things that go on in the earth. And God will intervene when we pray. It's through our prayers. When we pray, we are giving God permission to move on the earth and to act in our domain. Does this make sense to you? It's important that you understand this. So a lot that's going on in planet earth, believe it or not, we know it's the result of, uh, of man, but a lot that's going on is because the church hasn't taken its rightful position. Ow, somebody just stepped on my toe. That, that hurt, Debbie. But really, it's the church. It's the called out ones, the body of Christ. We are not taking the authority that has been given us. And we'll talk more about that later, okay? So Adam didn't take his authority when the, when the, the uh, serpent approached Eve. And he says to her, did God say you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And she begins to engage in a conversation with the, with the serpent. Oh, she said, we may eat of the fruit of the trees, right, of the garden, but the fruit of the trees which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it. Did God say that? He never said, you don't touch it. He said, when you eat it, you shall surely die. And the devil says, you shall not surely die. Wait a minute, isn't he calling God a liar? Yeah. So he's lying to her. And he's calling God a liar. He, oh, but for the day that you eat it, he says, then your eyes are going to be open and you're going to be like God. Wait a minute, wait a minute. They were already like God. Right? They were made in his image and his likeness. But see, that's the devil's M.O. That's how he operates. He will try to get mankind to do something or to perform in order to receive from God or to be God-like. I just said a mouthful there. You hear what I said? He will try and get man to do or to perform so that we can receive something from God or to be God-like. And Eve bought this lie. She ate from the tree. She gave it to her husband who was standing right there, didn't take his authority. And the result, Adam and Eve suffered a tremendous loss. They lost everything because they declared independence from God because he committed treason, which is the ultimate act of betrayal. So they lost it, and this is important now. This is where it all happened. When they disobeyed, they lost their spiritual connection to God. The Holy Spirit that was living inside of them left them and instantly they became a different kind now they have a sinful nature and guess what now all their offspring all the children that would come from adam and eve and all the way down the line would have a sinful nature because adam no longer carried the same identity with his new identity, he would always, it would always tie him to what he did and not who he was. Now, he would still fulfill his purpose. He would still have the ability to succeed, but it was going to be through much hard labor and by the sweat of his brow. Do you remember that? See, this is what happened now. I'm going to give you the key right here. Listen, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they gave up their right to rule. They relinquish their authority, and Satan becomes the ruler of the earth. 
like the Bible calls him, he becomes the God of this world system. So who was the God of this world system before uh, uh, Satan? That's right. That's very good, class. Excellent. You're paying attention. Excellent. Second Corinthians 4, 4 says the God of this world. He blinds the mind of unbelievers. That's why you see so many people lost out there. They can't find their way. They're trying to find their way to God. He's blinded their eyes. They can't see. When Adam disobeyed God, write this down. This is important. Adam changed kingdoms. He came out of the kingdom of light, and now he goes into the kingdom of darkness. Instantly, Adam became a citizen without a country, a king without a kingdom, a ruler without a domain. Where once he had everything provided for him, he was now by the sweat of his brow going to earn his living. Adam now becomes a survivalist. And the whole earth was affected. When they sinned, the whole earth was affected right down to the cellular and molecular level. The atmosphere changed. This was not supposed to be like this. Isn't that what God created? This is a result of sin, what you see out there. The atmosphere changed. The earth was cursed. It was never supposed to look like this. But Adam had given his authority, his rule over to Satan. And you know what God said to him? Curse, Adam, curses the ground because of you. God didn't curse the ground. God is good. Ooh, Debbie, what did you just say? The Young's Little Translation says, on your account, the earth is cursed. So when he sinned, sin was introduced into humanity and it changed the course of history. And with sin comes now death, disease, depression, murder, lying, stealing, hurricanes, tsunamis, destruction, everything that brings a heartache to man entered into the earth. It's an atmosphere and God never meant for us to suffer, to be sick, to die, to grow old. The devil is the author of it. And what's our fa- one of our favorite verses around here? John 10, 10. The thief comes what? Only to do what? To steal, kill, and destroy. And what does Jesus say? I, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. That verse is the plumb line. If it's good, it comes from God. If it's not good, it's not from God. Let that be your plumb line. John 10, 10. If it's good, it comes from God. If it's not good, it's not from God. God does not give sickness and disease to teach you a lesson. That's right. That's right. That's right. Are you following me? Yes. Okay. Because that's important because you'll hear many people say that. Oh, God gave me this. Oh, I'm, he's trying to teach me something. No, God teaches through his word. Amen. Right. Amen. So because of Adam and Eve's sin, all of mankind is born spiritually dead and separated from God. Okay, right? And everyone needs a savior. Everyone. Do you remember when the angel Gabriel appeared to the Virgin Mary? He said, Mary, you're going to have a baby and you're going to call him Jesus. And she says, be it unto me. Right? And then what does she say? She said, oh, my soul does magnify the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So that means Mary needed a Savior. Ooh, sorry about that. That's the word. She needed a Savior because Mary was born from earthly parents. So she too needed a Savior. Amen? Okay, so let's look at the Lord's response, all right, after they sin. Let, I want you to look at and see God's grace. In spite of their disobedience, God still came to them in the garden to walk and to talk with man as he was accustomed to doing. And, and Genesis 3, 9 tells us he called for Adam, where are you? And how many of you know that if God can't find you, you're really lost? Yeah. <laughs> 
But I want to suggest to you that God knew where Adam was geographically. He was talking about his position, his headship. Adam had fallen from his position as the ruler of all creation. And then Adam answers, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid. And because I was naked, I hid. Adam was afraid. Imagine, the one whose image you are made of, you're afraid of. God says to him, who told you you were naked? What have you done? Oh, this woman, she's the problem, the one you gave me. The reason why I'm in this mess is because of the woman you gave me. And the God turns to the woman, what have you done? Well, it was a serpent. He deceived me. And neither Adam or Eve, right? Neither one of them took ownership. And they learned to lie, to cover up, to hide, to slander each other. And guess what? Satan is in the background laughing. He's laughing and rejoicing because he had succeeded in stripping them of their crown, of their authority, their honor. And guess what, church? The enemy hasn't changed his tactics. He will try and convince you and me to take off your crown. He'll say, look what you've done. Look how bad you've messed up your life. What a mess your life is in. Turn to the person on the side of you and say, wake up. She's talking to you. Because that's what Satan will do. You've messed it up. There's no hope for you now. Okay? It's too late. Oh, I love what I'm hearing. It's a lie. These are lies. These are lies. Okay? The truth is because of Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross, we've got our crown back. Now we need to put it on. Put your crown on. Woo! Jesus, in the last book of uh, the Bible, in Revelation, he says, hold fast. Come on. Let no man take your crown. You know what the problem is? Many believers base wearing their crown if they say, oh, if I'm accepted, or if they feel valued, or if they get enough money in the bank, then they feel, that, yo, they got their crown on. See, if you're basing wearing your crown if people like you or they don't, whether they believe in you or they don't, then you'll be taking your crown off, on and off, on and right. off throughout your whole life. Right. Okay? Because events do not determine if you should keep your crown on right. or not. If people are for you or against you, if they celebrate you or criticize you, keep your crown on because you are royalty. Say that. I am royalty. Now say it like you mean it. I am royalty. Yeah, that's right. That's who you are. Genesis 3.14. Let's look at that. The Lord said to the serpent, this is very important here, because you have done this, is it up there? You are cursed. More than any livestock, you will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. I will strike your head. Listen to that. I'll strike your head. That means his authority. Means he's going to take away Satan's authority. And you will strike his heel. Did you notice that in this passage, it went from she to he? He will strike your head. This is talking about Jesus. This is a prophecy of Jesus. And I want you to notice, on the heels of their sin and disobedience, God does not strike them dead. And he doesn't allow them to walk around uncovered and shame. He sheds the blood of an innocent animal, and he uses their skin to cover them. Who? Who does that innocent animal represent? Jesus, Jesus Christ, already there in the garden. Amen? Because Jesus one day would shed his blood for our sin and for our shame. Did you notice there? The Savior would come from a woman. Wow. Because she's part of God's redemptive plan. He doesn't turn the back on the woman. He doesn't give up on her. He doesn't deem her hopeless. And God will never give up on you. He will never give up on me. No matter what we do, he will never give up on us. Don't you just love Jesus? Amen. That's grace. That's grace. We can blow it. We can make horrific mistakes. But God has a way of taking our lemons make and making lemonade. Amen. He can take our mess 
and make miracles. Amen? Many people think that God was <coughs> angry at Adam and Eve and, you know, just kicked them out of the garden. He didn't do that. He put them out of the garden because he loved them and protected them and did not want them to stay in that condition. But let me tell you what happened. God launched on a journey to bring man back to himself. From the day Adam and Eve disobeyed God, God has been pursuing mankind. And instead of allowing us to spend our lives in continual frustration trying to reach up to God, he came down to us. This is so important. He sent the perfect lamb of God willing to shed his blood to take away our sin. And are you ready for this? To restore us back. Restore back to us everything that Adam lost. He came as the last Adam. This is the message that Jesus preached. Restoration. He came to tell us we've been restored. We're regaining our rightful positions as sons and daughters in the kingdom of God with all our rights and all our benefits. Amen? When Jesus was walking on this earth, his purpose, his mission was to reveal the love of the Father. Okay, and then to preach the good news of the kingdom of God to everybody who would listen. Yes. You know what he was saying? God the Father wants you back. He wants you back to himself, to your rightful position, to righteousness, to right standing, to your former place of glory and honor as sons and daughters of the king. You know, many Christians struggle with this word righteousness. Right. They have a problem with it. They can't grasp it. They put it out there making it something very religious, sacrilegious, something they have to obtain and they go around saying, I am the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. They don't even know what they're saying. <laughs> Can I help you to understand that? Yes. We need to look at the word righteous and righteousness not as a religious word but as a legal term. Because many words in the Bible, you're very quiet, but I'm going to explain. Many words in the Bible are actually legal terms. And throughout the whole Bible, God is talking about kingdoms, governments, and courts of laws. Because he's the judge. He's the lawgiver. He's a mediator, an advocate. These are all legal terms. Are you following me? Jesus said, you shall be witnesses unto me isn't that what he said in the mouth of two or three witnesses he said right mm -hmm. paul says we have an advocate with the father jesus is our attorney one who intercedes on our behalf ready for this like an attorney mm -hmm. would intercede on behalf of their client mm -hmm. did i just shift your mind you got a little bit different of a mindset here change okay Jesus is interceding for us as our lawyer, as our attorney in the courts of heaven. That's why he says, let us, you know, let us reason together. Amen? So the word righteous and righteous mean, righteousness means to be in right standing, like a good standing citizen good standing citizen with the law. So through Jesus' finished work on the cross, he has made us right so we can now stand right before the Father. Hallelujah. Say amen to that because you're awfully quiet. I'll give you time. Meditate. Go back and listen to the CD. You are right. He has restored us to a rightful position. Because of Jesus' finished work, we are able to stand in God's presence without any sense of guilt, or condemnation and inferiority. You can come to God anytime. Hallelujah. Anytime. Yes. Anytime. Just the way you are. Amen? Yes. Amen? Yes. And we can receive all the blessings he has for us because we are sons and daughters. We are citizens in right standing in the courts of heaven. Did I, did I mention to you too that we're priests? He calls us priests. Yes. We're kings and priests. Don't get nervous with that word. Okay? Don't get nervous. It's, it's not a religious term. 
See, we're called kings because we're supposed to execute his will that's in heaven here on earth. Okay? And we're called the real royal priesthood because we're called to demonstrate his love, his forgiveness, his peace, his compassion, his grace to a lost and dying world. That's why we're called kings and priests. Amen? Because Jesus never came to establish a religion. Religion was already here when he got here. What do you mean, Debbie? Jesus was not a religious person. He was never a Pharisee or a Sadducee. The number, and you were preaching my message, the number one opposition Jesus faced while on this earth was not sinners, but the religious people. Jesus never woed or damned a sinner, but he woed and damned the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. Why did Jesus hate religion so much? And this is powerful. You got, you got your seatbelts on? You know, because the religious folk kept people from entering into the kingdom and enjoying the kingdom benefits, the privileges of the kingdom. Matthew 23, 11, I hope you got that. Jesus said, woe to you, Pharisees and teachers of the law, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You, you yourselves do not enter, nor will you let right. them enter who are trying to go in. That's why Jesus hated religion and the religious leaders because religion is so contrary to the gospel. It's so contrary to the kingdom message. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm going to give you some more stuff. Put your seatbelt on. Religion teaches you to work for God. And the gospel teaches that God works with us. Okay. okay. Ready? Number two. Religion teaches you, you have to do good works to earn your way to heaven. And the gospel says, it's by grace are you saved. Not of your works, lest any man should boast. Number three, religion looks at the outward appearance, how much you pray, how many candles you light, but the gospel looks at the heart. I could say a lot more about that. You know I could have added a lot there, but I'm going to be good. Number four, religion makes you frustrated and tired because you're striving to please God. And the gospel says strive to enter into the rest. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor. You're heavy lady. You're tired of serving me with your good works and all your rules. Come to me. I'll give you rest. Number five. Religion strives to appease its deity because he's an angry God. And the gospel said all of God's wrath and judgment was put on Jesus Christ. God is not mad at anybody. Jesus Christ took the wrath. Jesus Christ took the judgment. God loves everyone. He's not against you. He's for you. Amen? Number six, religion makes you accept your circumstances, your problems, your sickness and disease as if it's God's will for you. That's religion. And the gospel says, Jesus, I'm willing. Be healed. And with God, all things are possible. Amen? Number seven, religion makes you passive. It makes you a victim, crying out to God, God, help us. God, help me. Right? And what does the word of God say? The gospel says, come into his throne room with boldness, with confidence. Approach God that night. Not like beggars. We're not beggars. We're not paupers. We're children of the most high God. Say, I am royalty. Amen? Number eight. Religion is mankind's search for the kingdom. And Jesus said the kingdom is already inside of you. You don't have to look any further. Number nine. Religion is trying to get you to heaven. And God is trying to get heaven into you. Ten. Religion. Ready for this one? This is the big one. Religion will train you to leave earth 
and Jesus trains you to dominate the earth. Amen. See the difference there? Yes. You can give him praise for that one. Yes. That, that's the God that we serve. Jesus came preaching the good news because Jesus Christ came preaching that there's peace between God and man. He came to bring us life and life more abundantly. He came to restore us to our rightful position with right, righteousness and right standing. And he came again to give the spirit of God inside of us. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. Isn't, that, isn't that wonderful? And that we have kingdom privileges. We have kingdom rights. For instance, healing. Healing is a kingdom benefit. Remember, watch how Jesus demonstrated his government, his government health care plan. He's got the best health care plan there is. And you don't have to fill out any forms. You don't have to qualify. Nada. Nada. There was a woman for 18 years. She was coming into her religious organization where the priests were there with their long robes expounding the scriptures and every week this woman came in and went out the same way but one day say one day one day this Jesus saw the Bible says he noticed her she probably had um, or today we'd call it osteoporosis because she was a woman that had this disease for 18 years and all she could see was people's feet Imagine that. Oh, I know who that is. That's Dennis's toe. I know it by anyway because it's got a cut on it, right? That's how she could identify people was through their feet. 18 years she walked in and out of that organization, religious organization, and no one did anything. But when Jesus saw her, he said, Woman, thou art loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was straightened up. And, and oh, all the leaders that were standing by, all the religious leaders began to go, ah, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. No? no. no? no. What happened? Yes. They got angry, that's right. They got angry. Six days in which you ought to work. You don't heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said again, you hypocrite. Don't you loose your ox? and take it to drink? Don't you, don't you take the, the, the discomfort from your ox and give him water because he's thirsty? Ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, this is kingdom talk. This is kingdom talk. This woman has rights. She has rights. She being, say that, being, She's a being. She's a daughter of Abraham. Ought not this woman be free? Raise your hand with me and say, repeat after me. Because you're a citizen of heaven, aren't you? Yes. And you know, when you become a citizen of a country, you have to raise your hand and make a pledge. Don't you know that? Yes. So you say right now, I hereby declare, I hereby declare as, a as a citizen of the kingdom of God, I have certain rights. I have, certain rights. I have a right to be healed. I have a right to freedom. I have a right to abundance and no lack. I have a right to be free of oppression. I have a right to joy, peace, and righteousness. Amen. Say, there is freedom in the kingdom. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, I've got so much more to say, but time is taken up, believe it or not. So I'm going to have to finish this some other time. Uh, today we dealt with the healing, but perhaps in the future I'd like to go on and teach because I've got much to say about God's financial plan Amen. and how in the kingdom finances is completely different. Yes. 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 <laughs> you do not handle finances in the kingdom like we do in the world. In the world, it's buying and selling. And in the kingdom, it's sowing and reaping. Yep. Amen? But let me just tell you something before I close. Today, if you look around, people are so tired. They're exhausted. They're frustrated because they're chasing after money. 
Money has become their source because they don't know how to live the kingdom way of living. Are you following me? Yes. See, they've got the wrong mindset. I gotta go to work. I gotta pay my bills. You know that song, hi ho, hi ho. <laughs> it's off to work. Do you know that song, hi ho? Sing it with me, hi ho. It's off to work I go, right? Got lots of loans, gotta pay my phone. Still owe on my car, that won't get me very far. Credit cards are maxed, bills are stacked. Mortgage on the house. Just bought those ringers for the spouse. The new TV for the family. I ho, I ho, it's off to work. You know the song, don't you? See, that's this, that's this Utkut system's way. But in the kingdom, there's another way. Okay? To be continued. Next time we get together, we'll talk about finances and how the kingdom of God operates in regards to your finances. And I will show you the things that God has shown me that he, for years that I didn't even know I was operating in the kingdom principles. He gave me the keys, and that's why I am, Dennis and I are prospering the way we are. Do you want to know those secrets? Yeah. All right, to be continued. <laughs> to be continued, amen? You're blessed. Say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. You are going to another level. Say, amen. Amen. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.